morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, the 8th of June. Marcus, overnight for us, please. Good morning, Ben. A better night overnight. Very happy with the overnight. This bounce is holding. Can it extend or will it end? We will find out probably with a CPI number on Friday. Anyway, for the moment, it's extending. Dow up 264, closing near its highs. Futures this morning are up 45. I think we're up about 35. We were down 111 yesterday after the RBA. I'll let Henry describe what the RBA did after the RBA surprisingly put up rates 50 basis points. NASDAQ was up almost 1% overnight, which is good. And US bond yield has dropped under 3%. So bond yields down, technology stocks up yet again. China has reported two cases, two COVID cases. Surely the restrictions have to come off and stay off. In other news, the World Bank has downgraded their forecasts on the global economy, talking about stagflation and low growth. And many countries are going to find it hard to avoid recession. I would just point out the World Bank. I mean, if you were a good economist, you'd work at Goldman Sachs, not the World Bank. So I'm not sure we take too much notice of a World Bank economist's forecast. The media love to put it in the headlines, though. Hopefully we have no World Bank economists listening and being offended. Well, if (laughs) they should be working at Goldman Sachs, my message to them. Otherwise, some of the good news overnight is that prices of chips, I assume that means silicon chips and shipping containers have dropped and wage increases slowed last week as well. Some evidence prices coming down, as I say, we'll find out with CPI number on Friday. BHP and Rio both up over 3% in the US, presumably on the China reopening trade and a bit of confidence. Iron ore price, oil price and gold price all up less than 8%. Got the European Central Bank meeting tomorrow. They're expected to talk about ending QE and hiking rates in July. And we have a long weekend this weekend, so we won't react to the US CPI number until Tuesday. That's about it from me. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. Thomas, what have you got for us today? Thank you, Ben. Well, as Marcus pointed out, we are having a little bit of a bounce, not recovering quite as much as the futures had pointed to, but our market up 46 points or 0.7%. Most sectors are improving with the exception of financials and consumer discretionary. So the bank's not really taking on that rate hike from the RBA in a positive light. Industrials and miners are leading the market higher. Atlas Arteria, and they are the operators of the toll roads in Europe, are up 15.2% as IMF acquires a 15% stake and they were also eyeing a little bit of a bid. So more to come from that. Borrell, BLD up 5% on the news of a new CEO. And UBS has come out and said there is now potential for rate cuts next year. So interesting from them after the hike from the RBA. And Sims SGM is down 1.7%. And that is despite expectations for underlying EBIT almost double this year. So there's probably more in that announcement, but that's about it, Ben. Very good. Thank you, Tom. I do wonder if that economist is maybe taking a bit of Marcus's advice from yesterday and just writing a attention-grabbing headline to get himself in the news. The UBS guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what a great way to get clicks today. Oh, interest rates are going to peak just as everyone starts worrying about them. Anyway. Very good. Thank you, Tom. Layden, welcome back. What have you got from the broker's land today? Thank you, Ben. There's a few brokers have updated some research, but in terms of price moves, there's not a whole lot going on. Macquarie has updated its property sector research and they've upgraded national storage rate center group and vicinity centers all to neutral from underperform. The target price has pretty much just moved to in line with the current market price. And more 
Morgan Stanley has updated its research for the banks, but it's retained its recommendations and target prices. The only overweight one there is Westpac Bank, and they've got a target price of $25.70, which implies a 10% upside. And one big price move, though, was Macquarie, who downgraded Universal Store, that's UNI, and the target price came down 53% from $9.40 to $4.40, which still implies a 9% upside. But it seems like they might be pretty late on that downgrade because the share price is down 40% since early Jan. So pretty much just aligning it with the current market price. And Macquarie believes that there is scope for some contraction in consumer confidence. And while the business should benefit from a relaxation of pandemic constraints, a relative lack of trading liquidity leads the broker to be more cautious there. That's all I've got this morning. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Layton. That universal might have been sitting at the bottom of a pile on an analyst desk for a couple of months by the sounds of it. Chris, what have you got happening in trading today? Thank you, Ben. There's plenty happening today. First and foremost, I'll be taking some more profits. As everyone knows, I've been talking endlessly about energy and have plenty of exposure to that space. And I'm just taking some of those uh, profits off the table, locking them in. I don't think the energy trade is necessarily over, but it is an overweight position that I think needs to have some risk taken out of it. So like I said, taking some profits, that'll happen at 11.45, as well as a new trade today. I can't tell you the stock code. Obviously, that'll be released at 11.45, as I say, but it is an insurer. It stands to benefit from rate hikes and the brokers love it up and down the street. Target prices are anywhere from 18 to 38% above the current market price. So keep an eye out for that as well. And then finally, as the chart of the day, having a look at Karoon, which again is another energy play, but the brokers also particularly liking that one, about 20 to 25% above the current market price. And the chart looks as though it's just bouncing off some lows and looking to get to new highs. Very nice. Thanks, Chris. Always like when you give us a cliffhanger. QBE. Next. (laughs) (laughs) And the points go to Marcus. Uh, Henry, thanks guys. Just uh, following on from Marcus's comments about what I was talking about in Henry's take today about the RBA. I took this on Ausbiz yesterday afternoon. How the RBA had basically been asleep at the wheel for the last six months and had woken in fright suddenly and realised they'd veered across to the other side of the road and there was an oncoming truck towards them beeping their horn and have panicked. Yesterday's 50 basis point rise obviously far and above where the market was expecting. There were only two economists expecting that. Listening to Sarah Hunter though, who is probably one of the smartest economists out there who now works for KPMG. She was talking about the Australian inflationary print that we will see in the coming months being above 7%. So the inflation story here is well and truly alive, unfortunately. So she's taken all the inputs and looked at that. So it does look as if we're going to see more rate rises from the RBA, of course. And Marcus, I'm sure, will talk more about that when he talks his strategy stuff. The other interesting thing last night, big time interesting, was in the US, Joe Biden has finally woken up to the fact, well, he's finally woken up, that the US imports an awful lot of their uranium from Russia. Their enriched uranium is actually imported from Russia. I think about 16% is imported from Russia. And obviously, that's not a great look at the moment. The US has only got one enrichment plant for uranium, and that's in New Mexico, and that's owned by a British, Dutch, and German company. So they do have a bit of a problem. One stock that I have owned for, I reckon, close on... 25 years is the stock called Silex, which I actually sold out most of my stock at above 11 bucks. They're in the uranium enrichment game. They do laser enrichment. This spun off from Sonic Healthcare many, many years ago. And Goldsworthy is still the CEO, I think, of Silex and Sonic. But um, Michael Goldsworthy, that is. So that's an interesting one because they have a 51% holding of a 
uranium enrichment project with Cameco. The uranium stocks in the US had a big jump last night. Paladin's up 11.7%. Silex is up 12% this morning. AGE, which we did a on the couch a few weeks ago, they're up 11.7%. So if people want to listen to the CEO talking about not just AGE, but more importantly, the uranium market, the state of what's going on there, it's certainly well worth having a listen to as well. Plenty in there today. And of course, ask the analyst next Wednesday. That's it from me. Very nice. Thank you, Henry. And I've just looked up Silex. I just wanted to see how humble your little brag there was about selling it at $11. I think it traded at $11 for about a week, about 15 years ago. And that's $10 the current price. $13 actually, Ben. Well, it's very did, good timing I anyway. I saw some at $13.10, I think, was my highest price. You might have been the in, top, right? um, 2007. The good old days, KEF 07. <laughs> Very nice. Thanks, Henry. Marcus, over to you for strategy. Henry, did you add Silex to your small cap portfolio? No, I didn't. I've got enough stuff in there at the moment. It's becoming a shopping list. So I mentioned it in passing. I do own shares myself still, for old time's sake, a very small parcel and happy to hold them. They could, you know, if this gathers a bit of momentum in the US, even when you look at the timeline for the project, they're talking laser enrichment. They've been talking that since 1990s, early 90s. And they're not talking about commercial until 2030. The other thing about uranium, Henry, is it was one of the hot sectors till the market fell over. So this mild bottoming in sentiment might actually help it out as well. Otherwise, strategy today, I'm talking about the rate rise, of course. I just love Henry's idea that the RBA are driving along asleep at the wheel and they wake up to see a truck coming at them, a truck that everybody else spotted about six months ago. And they have hit the horn and swerved and we get a 50 basis point rate rise and UBS saying that they will be cutting rates by the end of the year. I think the RBA probably worked on a couple of things here. One is the sooner or the harder we go now, the earlier will be the peak on rates and the lower will be the peak on rates. So it probably makes sense to do you know, bad news is good news. The other thing I think that has driven them is they know that the golden rule of central bank policy making, which is if the world expects it, in other words, a policy move, a rate rise, it will have no impact. So this has had an impact. I'm very interested to see Henry's comment that an economist is suggesting our inflation numbers are going higher when the US is peaking. You know, if it's got 5.1% now, it's going to 7, he was saying. They may have foreseen that as well. But I think they've decided to have an impact because they do need to get inflation down and they do rather need to shock the consumer. And as Henry says, some prices are just ratcheting up and consumers are just expecting it at some point consumers are going to have to say, sorry, I'm not paying that. And they're not doing it yet. It's called the inflation spiral. When inflation goes up, inflation gets more ingrained because people expect it and therefore put their prices up even though they don't need to. So the RBA trying to kill that a little bit. And maybe that's the right thing to do, get inflation down. At the same time, they've got to try not to derail the economy. As far as the market's concerned, there are two impacts. One is on the market as a whole, on the index. And I think we saw that yesterday, down 111 points. And then today we're reversing that. It's very short term. It's almost a bit irrelevant. Our market will continue to 
be driven not by the RBA and Australian interest rates, but by the US macro backdrop and the Fed. And that is our biggest driver as far as the market's concerned. So this isn't really relevant to our market, but it is relevant to interest rate sensitive sectors. And I have put some charts in today of sectors that are affected by higher interest rates. And the point is absolutely obvious. All these sectors have already significantly underperformed as bond yields rose. So you don't start selling interest rate sensitive sectors because the RBA raised rates. The RBA are very late in the cycle. The market looks six months to 12 months ahead and is going to at some point anticipate the peak on interest rates and these sectors will bottom. But have a look at the charts of the relative performance of these sectors, including the real estate investment trust sector, consumer discretionary, technology, media, automobiles, retail, and you'll see these sectors have already significantly underperformed the market. And the opportunity now is not to sell them. The opportunity is to try and time when they turn around when interest rates peak. And the sectors I've also put in sectors that have outperformed, which include banks, resources, energy, and that outperformance for the banks. Henry makes a very good point today in his section that there comes a point where interest rates are good for banks short term. It allows them to widen their margins, but eventually the consumer gets affected, stops borrowing as much, credit growth dwindles and the banks get negatively affected by higher rates. And maybe we've got to that point. As I say, we haven't got dividends out of the banks for another five months except for the CBA. So it would favor you being in CBA rather than the other banks at the moment if you thought they were going to tire themselves out. So the game on the strategy front, the game is trying to time the bottom. We may have already seen it in the US with that recent bounce and with some inflation factors already peaking like wages and chips and chips shipping containers and maybe some other things. So the CPI number on Friday is crucial. We won't react to it till Tuesday, but it is crucial because it could show us the second month on the trot that inflation has dropped in the US, in which case this bounce could extend. Again, a bad number means it could end, but we will watch that on Friday. So the main message today is it's no good reacting to higher interest rates. The damage has already been done. Our equity market, the main game now is timing when interest rates peak and that moment could come at any time. Probably a bit optimistic to suggest it will come on Friday, but it certainly could. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. We'll finish with our question of the day, which comes off the back of the sentence I liked in your spiel there of, sorry, I'm not paying that. If you're feeling the squeeze on your hip pocket with interest rates rising, inflation abound, what is the first discretionary spend that you are cutting, Leighton? I think I would have to drop some of my subscriptions to not my streaming. Today. No, of course not. No, no. Just that, the streaming services. Yes, yeah, streaming services. Yeah, yeah. We've got a lot, yeah. yeah you can, you can have mine, Oh, nice. <laughs> Chris? Coffees. Coffees for me. $5 coffees. Real prices through the roof. I was going to say, you buy the 7-Eleven coffees anyway, so I don't know if the $1 <laughs> is going to make a big difference. $1 Tom? My most indulgent spending habit is Uber Eats, and I need to stop that. Makes sense. Henry? Probably going out to dinner so much, but I have to say that coffees, I stopped those donkeys years ago, hot milky drinks for five bucks. We just have a machine in the office. It works fine. Very nice. Marcus? It's obvious what I won't buy, and it's been the same actually for the last year I have got a car that's 11 years old it's time for an upgrade but the more I look at what's happening in the automobile market the prices you're paying for second-hand cars is just ridiculous and that will save me a billion coffees if I just don't bother to upgrade my car because there's nothing wrong with mine has to be said very nice and I would agree with both the food and the subscriptions they're the two that just drain money and they're easily replaced or avoided but Ben you've got to remember a lot of people have 
Foxtel, which costs an absolute fortune compared to the small amount on the other services. The uh, other ones are much smaller, Henry, but when you have 12 of them, it costs more than Foxtel. 12? <laughs> we don't have time. Are there 12? Yes. Stan, Netflix, KO, Spotify. Hey, you, Hulu. Disney. Stan Sport. Yeah. About 25 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. You need to get out more. <laughs> Go out to dinner. Go for some picnics, I think. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, team. See you, Henry.